0: This is Eric from Latane, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi there, I'm Adrian Ballou, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Episode 486 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 486, we've got a couple different flavors of rock for you. We have joining us guitarist uh, formerly with David Bowie. He's played with Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. He's worked with Talking Heads. I'm talking about Adrian Ballou. Adrian will be in pittsburgh to do a show july 24th at the oaks theater in oakmont also has a brand new album out called elevator so we're going to talk to him about that in just a few moments also joining us john doe of the legendary band x x will be in town to do a show with psychedelic furs in greensburg uh later in july and then finally joining us uh jack star of the band burning star and we will talk about them in just a little while but first As I mentioned, Adrian Ballou, he's played with David Bowie. I think you could stop there and uh, call it a career. He's played with Trent Reznor, played with the Talking Heads. Got a multitude of um, solo albums, including a brand new one called Elevator uh, that he talks to us about in this interview. He will be coming to, to do a show at the Oaks Theater in Oakmont, Pennsylvania on the 24th of July. So let's play a little bit of Elevator from Adrian Blue, we'll get into that area. Iron City Rocks. We have Adrian Balou on the line. How you doing, Adrian?
0: Hello there.
1: <laughs> hey, how are things going with you, Adrian? It's it's been a kind of a crazy time in the music industry, but you're getting out there on the road. Got a new album. Um, can you talk a little bit about putting the album together? You you obviously kind of had the entire pandemic to to work on Elevator. Um, was it a you know a, a true pandemic record, or was it something you had in the works, you know, kind of in the plan beforehand?
0: was really a continuation. It, it was a continuation of, of me just, continu- you know, I'm always writing new material
2: sure.
0: and working towards the next record. But at one point I realized it was going to be my 25th solo record. So that's kind of a milestone. So I decided, wow, I really i am going to take my time. I'm going to, you know, fashion this record to choose exactly the right material, right components from the menu, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> And I wanted to put together because it was during the COVID uh, downtime. I wanted to make a record that I knew would be uplifting. That when sure. people would hear it, it'd make them feel better. So that, that's where the title Elevator comes in. You know, it's it's supposed to lift you up a little bit. And, and my fans who are writing about it constantly on Facebook are just oh, you know, over the moon with this record, which I'm so happy about. And they all say yes, that's what it does. So I guess I. <laughs> I achieved that much.
1: Mission to college. With with the advent of technology, your career has obviously been, you know, extremely long. You've been at this, you know, 25 solo albums plus all of the, you know, the work you've done with other countless musicians. Does the the advent of of kind of social media in the last 20 years or so and, and giving you the ability to see feedback on an album almost immediately is that something? you kind of cherish or is it is it something you, you maybe are a little cautious of either reading too much negativity or positivity into your work does it sway you at all
0: well there are something that's negative and for some reason those things will stick in your head Sure. Uh, but mostly my fans are very very nice to me and they say some wonderful things I've really enjoyed it uh, having an open relationship with the, with people on the internet mm-hmm. because I love to know what they think and you know that some, they're very great fans, they're funny, they're intellectual, they say interesting things, I learn a lot of stuff from them, it does take you know to keep that moving forward but I at the same time I wouldn't want to give it up because I feel like it's important you never have that kind of way to reach right into the minds of what your your fans are thinking and it's it's been fun for me i you know i also post a lot of things about my past i post some of my and it's just kind of uh for me it's another way to to um, involve yourself with the people who like your music who ultimately support my life
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that's a great way to look at it i mean in some respects it is a a business consumer relationship in a way, but you know sometimes it's you know some musicians I think you know probably walk a delicate balance of letting the positivity almost you know sway them into things that that may not be that good because sometimes fan, fans are nice you know if if you're really into an artist you know you're not going to go on their page and trash what they do some people will so it's kind of got to be kind of a, a delicate balance of of. Praise and criticism that um, you know. I, I know a lot of artists choose to ignore. Some really seem to relish. Um, but that—that's.
0: I think you have to uh, you have to balance it. You have to take it in equal measure. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not as great as they say you are, and you're not as terrible either. <laughs> well, that,
1: that's probably reassuring. Well, my fans
0: for... are very thoughtful people, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly think when you listen to to your music it's not necessarily uh you you probably don't have a lot of casual fans you know when i listen to to music you know you've got complex music it's you know it it challenges the listener in a lot of amazing ways but it's not something that that is a flavor of the month you know then that goes back through your entire career you know i don't look at you know a piece of your work and say that he did that kind of as a you know flavor of the month one hit wonder kind of thing
0: no, I've never really been good at any of that. Uh, and so I've always avoided it. I, I know my strong points and my weak points. Um, I never really have set out to try to be a quote star. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, you have to do some things that re- are required in the business to just be able to, to, you know, have a career and tour yeah. and put out records and all that. But it's never really been my focus. To be anything other than as creative as I can be. That's what drives me ultimately. My favorite thing is the appreciation of the audience at a show, or it's also when I'm in the studio and I'm finishing the track that's been on my mind for a long time. That's a giant reward. So it's really about creativity. Um, there are, you know, so many other artists and who are way way huger than i'll ever be but i don't care about that <laughs> and that's
1: that's got to be somewhat of, of a comfortable to be or a good feeling to be comfortable in the skin you're in you know if you were a person who was chasing hits i'm sure it would drastically change the type of music you make um, it, but then may kind of ruin what it is you do and do so well you know i think back to uh, another zappa uh, veteran that we had on the show a couple of times, Mike Keneally. And, and I look at his music and think he's not chasing a trend. He's doing what's in his heart. Um, and it shows in the music he produces and how genuine it is.
0: Someone once told me that I have the life, a license to kill. Yeah. <laughs> in musical terms, meaning, you know, no one's expecting me to do any particular thing. I'm not weighed down with any particular thing. Uh, if you had a super hit let's say you'd have to play that every night for the rest of your life well that's not very appealing to me either
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and and that's i guess that's a it's a a mixed blessing in itself you know if you have i think um you know certain artists who maybe had you know that one mega hit that you like you said you have to play that every night and i'm sure there's you know good things about having that song that kind of gets that pop from the crowd every night but sometimes you know, when you played that for the sixteen thousandth time that it might get a little old?
0: I don't want to be defined. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be defined by one thing. My, the thing about my musical ability and the the, and the, the breadth of it, I, I feel like I can go in so many different directions. I mean, I've I've done a, a Pixar film and won an Oscar. I've done a symphonic piece. i played with Paul Simon and, and Nine Inch Nails a few weeks <laughs> later. So yeah. I feel like, you know, it, I would feel really um, in a straitjacket if, if I weren't allowed to do everything that I can do. And that's what I try to do. But for, for Elevator, I tried to put together the record mm. that demonstrates what I've come to at this point in my life. And I also feel like I've put together the show that goes with that. It's going to go through... Some songs, and then there's going to be a uh, an acoustic section in play songs that in that way, and then the power trio itself, which is you know an amazing band, burning the <laughs> the venue down, yeah. will end up the whole night. So I think it's going to be very well balanced, and I hope people understand this. You know, it's always changing. This won't be whatever you think it was the last time. So, and I'm doing this for my fans. I, I really miss them, and I, I hope they all come out for this. But uh, you know, if there's a lot of stuff going on, I do understand that. But it's it's a rough time to be uh, in the music business right now. Yeah. Touring, especially. I mean, look at the, all the things you got against you. Everyone's touring for first of all. Yeah. And everyone has huge gas prices and everything. But I put together a great trio that I feel.
1: No, is it, when you're putting together the, the list of songs, obviously with 25 albums worth of material, obviously you've got a brand new album that you obviously would want to showcase. Is it hard, you know, I mean, like you said, you don't have the signature hit that, you know, some bands, they have 13, 14, you know, FM staples that, you know, they can work in one or two songs. Does this give you a little more leeway to kind of, you know, tailor Tour by tour, how you want to be seen by the audience?
0: Well, it's tailored exactly by what I want the audience to have. Mm-hmm. It's like this is if this were a restaurant, this is my menu. of, of mm-hmm. Okay, here are my favorite issues right now. From I can choose from so much material, uh, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there there's also certain things that I feel the audience really, really want to have. So I try to include as much of that as I can without it being the same thing that you've heard before. This this show has, I think, 24 songs in it, nine of which we've never done before, five of which are new songs from the Elevator record. And then there's a great big dose of what people love about the Power Trio. Uh, You know, I've had the Power Trio now for 16 years, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's developed its own following and julie slick being the bass player all that time some people come just to see her yeah Yeah. (laughs) they didn't care about me
1: (laughs) i'm sure they care a little bit you know it's 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 always good when you have that kind of pull um it's got to be fun playing you know new material and being able to i mean think of, of bands that can introduce nine new songs into a set that's or not nine new songs but nine different songs that that's a That's got to be exciting as a musician to be able to do that, Adrian. I want to thank you so much. You're going to be in, in, actually, in Oakland, or I'm sorry, Oakmont, here outside of Pittsburgh on the 24th of July. doing a new place for us. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in town, please make sure you tell somebody to get you down to the bakery. It's kind of the uh, between that and the golf course, the two things that Oakmont is is certainly famous for. The U.S. Open has been there uh, several times, and Oakmont Bakery is kind of a destination for the region. So if All you've right. got a s- sweet tooth.
0: Well, thanks for, thanks for the info. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate that.
1: And Adrian,
0: I, I can't wait to play for everybody.
1: Fantastic. We'll see you when you get into town, Adrian.
0: Thank you very much. All right.
1: Again, a big thank you to Adrian Ballou. July 24th Oaks Theater, Oakmont, Pennsylvania, playing a bunch of stuff throughout his career, stuff from the new album, Elevator. So get out, check that show out. Joining us now, John Doe. Uh, John Doe, who has been a member of the band X. Uh, from California. They've been around since 1977. They are headed out on the road this summer to uh, be direct support for the Psychedelic Furs, which I know a lot of people were excited when we announced that show would be coming to the Palace Theater in Greensburg, Pennsylvania on July 19th. So, uh, John has a brand new solo album. That album was just released in May. It's called Fables in a Foreign Land. Uh, That's available now. A really cool album in a bunch of different musical uh, genres, which is, uh, I think, what's really cool about his solo material. Uh, It still has the Mothership X. So we're going to talk to him about those uh, two different things and how this record came together and what you can expect to see them out on the road with the Psychedelic Fur. So, without further ado, Mr. John Doe. My pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks from the band X. We have John Doe in the line. How are you doing, John?
3: I'm doing good. Beautiful day.
1: Wonderful, yeah. I think uh, I think if anything we've learned in the last two years is to appreciate all of them, and probably more so even this week. So it's it's great to get a chance to yeah. talk to you. Um, Thank
3: you. Um, don't you? It mystifies me that empathy hasn't increased, but it seems like anger has increased. And
2: yeah,
3: ah, I guess it's the isolation and fear. But you got to try to rise above. As yeah, our friends in black and black flags and.
1: I think it's it, it's it's something that I, I you kind of hope is maybe just a a, uh, a reaction to what we've all been through and this settles down or if this is truly the new norm and I don't mean that as, as masks and vaccines uh, I'm talking socially um, yeah it's it's I know. it's it's certainly a, a different world coming out of this in many different ways and, and not many for the better yet so yeah but you you have a new album which is now at this point a week old um that you put together um and you know had a chance to listen to it really enjoyed fables from a foreign land um can you talk about you know the the process of putting that album together was this uh you know you had a lot of time on your hands with with covid or was this (laughs) in the works
3: sort of in the works uh but it is, uh, we developed the sound and really made it into something uh, during COVID times, for sure. Um, Kevin Smith who plays bass, he normally tours with Willie Nelson, uh, so he's gone half the half of every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conrad Shacroon playing drums, he tours with Patty Griffin, so uh, we were all doing nothing and idle hands were the were not the Devil's Workshop. Idle Hands were just a good thing for us. <coughs> if it wasn't for those two guys, I wouldn't have been able to develop this sound, which I kind of had in my mind for about six or seven years.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly, um, you know, when you listen to, you know, in in preparing to talk to you, I listen to a lot of old X records, and then I listen to, you know, some of the newer <laughs> material, and then listen to this. It's, you know, you certainly got a lot of different influences of that. It was it just a... Um, you know, you can't help but sense that maybe you know, living in Austin now, that's kind of seeped into the to the sound. Would you say, or is that fair?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, certainly on uh, the song "Guilty Bystander," which uh, if I wouldn't have seen the band Text Maniacs, which are a very traditional conjunto band from San Antonio, I wouldn't have thought to put that, or I may not have even written that song because it has a very traditional kind of Mexican folk song, mm-hmm. uh, little instrumental part in between the verses. Uh, but you know, the subject matter is people in crisis and, and, and moments where, uh, something's going down, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shit's happening. And, and that, that is always good for dramatic moments and, and, and uh, people being on the edge, mm-hmm. uh, so that's where we're um, similar. You know, that, that's, that's the thread that binds or the tie that binds.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a common theme in music for as long as music is, has been coming in our ears is, is that kind of stuff. And, and I'm sure turning on any news station has plenty of things to seep into <laughs> to writing. Um, yeah. is, is it sometimes when you're putting together an album through trying times either personally or you know outside of your own world and just you know the world at large do you try to shut that out sometimes so it doesn't influence your writing too much or or do you want to convey the frustrations you feel day to day or you know week to week
3: uh it's yeah, i think it's both you know you have to but what i do try to um shut out is just uh influences from other records you know you, mm-hmm. you, you might have some source material through your life or you might do a little research before you start recording like what do i want this to sound like but um you, you want to be pretty focused on uh, what you want to achieve mm-hmm. and I, I gotta say that I, I was you know very pleased that we were able to um to be disciplined about what we wanted this record to sound like, and Steve Berlin, who helped produce it, he uh, he gets an A plus because for restraint.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah.
3: Producers sometimes want to produce. Yeah. Put this on, and how about this, and how about, but he he knew from the beginning that uh, this was going to be a almost live record, very simple. There was no uh, like local fixes, or because mm-hmm. we all recorded, you know, to live mics. And but on the other hand. Uh, that same song, "Guilty Bystander," was heavily influenced by the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, I started thinking about that situation and, and where it had come from, and the whole subject of masters and slaves came into my head, and uh, that's pretty much where that song came from.
1: You talk about um, the recording process. So you're kind of going back to live. I mean, you've been recording now for. You know, I hate to say this because it makes me feel old, but you've been recording albums for over 40 years. Um, I'm proud of that. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's a it's, it's a great accomplishment, but it makes you realize you're 40 years older than when I first heard you. Um, would you would you say that the process now, because obviously technology has is, is really changed the way music can be made. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you enjoy the process now more, or you know when you made Absolutely. Los Angeles, you know you you were you know, probably wild-eyed with wonderment, you know, at, at how the whole process works. Is it more enjoyable now, yeah. or is it still just a, a oh, necessary absolutely.
3: evil? No, it's not. It's, uh, it's what you get to do. It's not mm. what you have to do. Okay. It's, it's something that you, uh, you know, it's a, it's a gift. Um, I'd say in 1979, when we recorded Los Angeles, we were trying to do the same thing that I did in this, on this last record. We we're trying to make something that was immediate. It was a record of what we did and mm-hmm. what we created. So, at that point, we were fighting against the powers that be that said, you should make everything sound perfect, Right. Uh, forget the garage rock, uh, what we learned from Louie Louie or you know early Rolling Stones records or Chuck Berry records or you know Muddy Waters which people just got in a freaking room and they played music so everything in the 70s was close mic and very you know not a hair out of place perfect you know and I'm talking about Boston Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Linda Ronstadt yeah bless her heart uh you know all that stuff. So we were fighting against that, and and we it was like a there was a barrier against you know um, transmitting that. It's like you record it and then it would you would listen back to it. and It's like oh that's not what it sounded like because they you know they didn't have that bleed and the and the kind of uh, you know, live sound. So now I mean like I say X X recorded the same way oh, in 2020, which was. We set up and we all played and some of the some of the vocals are scratch vocals you know just mm-hmm. singing and playing at the same time because uh, that's what makes it feel juicy and, and live and, and it's like oh shit something's happening i should pay attention right uh and then this record it, it was created on kevin smith's back porch patio uh he plays upright bass conrad would muffle his drums i played acoustic guitar and sang out into the air so when we got to the studio we said well let's just do the same damn thing we didn't wear headphones we just put a bunch of mics up and dave way the other producer and engineer he knows that backwards and forwards and, and just got the room to be our friend and and got the uh you know, we, we couldn't fix a bass note Right. <laughs> Because it was bleeding into all the other stuff, and we couldn't fix a bum vocal note, so it is live. We could, we could cut between tracks, between takes, right? You know, which is, I guess, something that old jazz records did, like Rudy Van Gelder and, and such.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it was live. It was like this is a thing. It,
1: it sounds, I have to say, it, you know, from an outsider, it sounds like a fun process as opposed to sitting there to a click, trying to. Oh God. You know, Fix a note, or you know, and I wouldn't expect that from your style of music um, through your career. Yeah. But you know, a lot of bands have have become somewhat slave to the technology, you know. But it, yes. it's
3: well, it's it's seductive. Yeah. You know, it's seductive because you get all. You have to keep your eye on the prize, which is, uh, is it meaningful? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. People can do whatever they want. This is what I what I choose to do, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I just want to communicate with people. Uh, it was fun, except most of the subject matter is somewhat, dy- uh, you know, dystopian, uh, yeah. even because it's set in the eighteen nineties. And and uh, but yes, it was. It was enjoyable. It was rewarding. Right. I don't know if it, you know, fun. I think of like.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough word to describe it, and maybe yeah. not not the best. But swimming I mean,
3: in a, <laughs> yeah, swimming in a swimming hole on a hot day, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, th- I this think this was more like gratifying, and 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 that's uh that's really what you know as you get older. That's yeah. what you look for. Is something that that you think is cool and yeah. Yeah, like
1: yeah. It 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 uh, it sounds very organic in the process and. Uh, that's yeah. gotta be as a band with with X. I mean, you guys have, as I mentioned, been doing this for 40 odd years at this point. Um yeah. Do you it live? I mean, obviously there are a million more opportunities than when you you know you were playing in small places in the in the 70s and early 80s, etc. You know, as far as technology to have on stage. Do you guys really try to stay away from that, or is, is there things that um, you know, kind of make its way into it because you're doing shows, you know, like you were with the Psychedelic Furs where you're playing to some, you know, probably fairly decent-sized halls that you Mm -hmm. kind of have to work in, you know, like I'm assuming you don't use digital guitars or amps, I mean, but um, any of that kind of technology kind of have to creep in because of the situation? Uh,
3: Only if you want to, but that's not our thing. I mean, Billy Zoom doesn't even use guitar pedals. He just gets his sound from a from a good amp and a and his fingers and and the way he the way he plays. Getting so that. no, that's, it, it's all a choice. That's all a choice. Whether you want to, you know, uh, like the, the idea of using loops is about as foreign as you know using a jetpack.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, there's mm-hmm. no freaking way. Um, you know, it would just be impossible.
1: It's interesting you mention about the, the guitar pedals because you see so many people put so much effort into getting the right amp. You know, there's been such a vintage amp craze. You know, everybody wants the old Fender blues breakers and, and, and you know, different Marshalls, etc. And then we s- slap a hundred dollar pedal in between our guitar and our amp. Like, what? You know, why the hell do you go out and spend all this money on this amp with this beautiful tube sound and stick a piece of solid state electronics in between? Um, uh,
3: you know, maybe that's one of the, one of the uh, mysteries of life that we'll never be able to, uh, to, to uh, answer. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think about that, that too, with, like, um, bands that, you know, are I, I guess it's a blessing and a curse, you know, when you're big enough to play the sheds and the arenas and you need the giant video screens that you then have to be such a slave to timing the music to the video, you know, where... You know, we well, you, we were lucky enough to go see bands where there might be a curtain behind them, but, you know, they yeah. were able to, uh, to react to each other's playing and play the music in such a way as how they were feeling that night, not how the video was recorded two months in pre-production. Um,
3: oh, no, we don't... Yeah, yeah that, that also was a choice. Yeah. It's like, what what do you... What's, what's important? Yeah. And um, like I said... You know, communication is important and getting to, um, you know, getting to touch people, getting in, getting someone moving or feeling, you know, that's what you, that's what the real deal is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be great. I mean, I know, you know, this is a, a, you know, I think a wonderful opportunity to get your band, and and I don't know if you get to, to work in any of your solo material into the show, but. Just kind of, you know, the great collection of music that may some people may not remember, or they were a little too young, you know, to to kind of catch some of our music. To get this back on the road with a band like the Psychedelic Furs, and get people, yeah. oh yeah, I remember this. Or, you know, I'm I, I <laughs> when I was going through your albums and I heard Wild Thing, it's like holy crap! It, it's been thirty some years oh, since Major League on. came out.
3: Hold, wait, hold, hold on one second. Sure. Yeah, well, actually, we don't do wild things. So I I hope that
1: won't sour the deal, but no, but. no, no. It was just, it was one of those things where you know, it was like if someone had asked me ever who sang that that version of the song, I would not have had an answer until Tuesday. You know, it was just, and went back and listened to the to the remastered edition of the album, and yeah. kind of put two and two together and like, oh yeah, this there's a lot of legacy to this band and uh, you know
4: an, an awesome... well you
3: know it's uh, there are a lot of new bands that I that I really love that um, have been influenced by punk rock mm-hmm. and it, it makes me feel good uh, that, that we're still at it but that you know all that had influence and there was a, uh, there's been a program called uh, Girls Rock Camp yeah I don't know if you're familiar with it but yeah been going for 20 years and now some of those women that were some of those girls that were 10 they're now 30 year old women and they're kicking ass and they're they're doing their thing and they were influenced by you know bikini kill or or us or blondie or whoever Mm. and um it's it's very it's very rewarding um so we we do get a fairly young audience there's you know kids in their teens and sometimes it's like generational, like kids and, yeah. and mom, kids and dad, you know that kind of thing. So
1: Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> it
3: just goes to show you that, that if if you're if you're authentic, you're true to yourself and, and you know, true to your music, then people are going to get it sooner or later. Yeah, maybe not. Whatever. No, hey. We're still we're still a little bit weird for prime time. We're still not ready for prime time. but That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think it it might be in somewhat the key to the longevity because it wasn't a flash in the pan, you know, you guys didn't come out and have, you know, the, the huge single in 1982 that MTV played the death out of and peaked no. and were done. You know, you guys had songs that lyrically still resonate to 15-year-olds today and I think that's that's yeah. key. So John, I want to thank you so much. Your album, Fables in the Foreign Land, is available mm-hmm. now. Um, you, I, will that be something that would be at a merch booth on the on the road or to be determined? Oh, yeah. To... Yeah, Wonderful. No, uh, and and uh, I just want to mention
3: that the Psychedelic birds also put out a record uh, in 2020. X did with Alphabet Land and the Psychedelic First did with Made of Rain. And... Uh, it's just a fantastic record it sounds like the psychedelic furs except the 2020 version and maybe even a little tougher and more stripped down they're not trying to you know get a hit single to put on tv it's it's really good good show you know there's a lot of there's a lot of joy but there's a lot of darkness underneath that's a good combination
1: yeah, yeah, it should be a fantastic show. You'll be in here on July 19 to do a show in Greensburg. We look forward to seeing you guys, and, and I want to thank you so much for your time. My
3: pleasure. We'll
1: talk to you soon. All right, John, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest okay. of your day, and uh, we'll see you guys in just a little over two months. All right, see you then. All right, take care. All right, again, X will be opening for the Psychedelic Furs in July the 19th at the Palace Theater in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. So you can get tickets for that now at thepalacetheater.org. Check that out. We're going to turn now to a band. Um, many of you, I'm sure, would remember the band Virgin Steel. Uh, they were around in the very early 80s. Uh, did some great stuff uh, through the 80s, but it was one of those bands that never really got their due uh, commercially. Uh, Jack Star, who was a guitarist of the band, uh, still going strong, has a great band of his own. It's called Burning Star. Uh, they are releasing a new album called Souls of the Innocent on July 15th. So we had an opportunity to ta- talk to Jack. I uh, was very pleased to do it. Share some great stories about uh, an interaction Virgin still had with a very young Metallica well out on the road. So without further ado, Jack Star and Burning Star. We have Jack Star, Burning Star, formerly Virgin Steel, online. How you doing, Jack? Good, hanging in there. Hey, in in this economy and this era of music, that's that's a that's a great goal to hang in there. Um, you've got a, a new album coming out next month on Global Rock Records, <laughs> uh, Souls of the Innocent, um, that really great kind of. I I don't like to use the word power metal, but I mean it certainly blurs the lines of that but just to me pure american heavy metal um, can you talk a little bit about you know the band you have at the moment and and kind of how the songs came together
4: sure um well the band's been together for um in in this exact lineup for almost 20 years now uh, the bass player ned ned maloney and i um do a, a lot of collaboration and the whole new album souls of the innocent is really a collaboration project you know with Ned we get together and we uh we write the songs and uh then we get together with Ryan you know the drummer who was uh, previously in the band Manowar in the 80s yeah we get together with him and uh and just uh, make sure that the songs work from a live point of view mm-hmm. because uh it's one thing to to record a song, but it has to be able to sound good live.
1: Do you take that into account when you write, um, you know, as, as a single guitar, guitar band, um, you know, how you mm-hmm. approach, you know, leads and things like that, you know, so that the song, you know, the sound isn't thin when you, you know, or maybe playing a lead under, you know, with just a bass and a, and a drummer behind you. Versus, you know, if you were a, you know, a two-guitar band or, you know, some bands even three, you know, like Iron Maiden and things like that. Does that kind of factor into how you write?
4: Yeah, actually, we, we're really aware of that, of the fact that we have to write songs that sound full and complete live uh, with just one guitar player. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so that's important. We also want um, the songs to have Parts in the song that we feel maybe the audience will sing along with,
2: yeah. or maybe
4: um, you know certain sections will in, invoke certain responses from the audience. You know, I mean for us it was a really big thrill. Like when we first started playing shows in Europe, and we would go, no, no, to like you know Germany or Italy or mm-hmm. Greece, and uh, during certain songs the audience would sing along with us. You know, and so yeah. it was really, it was really cool. It was a good thing. And uh, so songs are written a lot of times with, you know, things like that in mind. You know, Will the audience like it? Are they going to respond to this? Uh, can we pull this song off with one guitar or do mm-hmm. we need two guitars, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, we have played in Europe with two guitars um, and we, uh, and it, you know, it, it was good, you know, that we had an extra guitar player to, to fill in the sound, but I don't think it's really necessary. I mean, we, we've we done a lot of shows in America uh, without it, you know, with just one guitar. Uh, so all these things are our considerations, you know? Sure.
1: Yeah, I, I guess when you think about it, I mean, if it, Led Zeppelin pulled it off, so... You know, they've kind of paved the, you know given us the uh, framework for doing it with just one and making it work. But it, I, I know it's always interesting to, to hear bands, you know, when, yeah. when you go into a studio, especially in 2021, 2022, you know, whenever you may have recorded this, you have so many tracks at your disposal. You know, I think everybody can kind of play the Tom Schultz and and layer the yeah. guitars and it, make it sound so pretty uh, and. <laughs> Then there's three of you in a room with guitar or you know, two yeah, guitarists and a drummer and you're like, Oh shit, we gotta make it sound like the record. So,
4: you know <laughs> Well Well you know, a lot of it is uh, you know, this studio is like another instrument. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can create a lot of interesting things in the recording studio, but you don't wanna get too carried away with it because then you're creating something that becomes like almost impossible to pull off live, you know? Yeah. I'm always amazed like how Queen were able to, to duplicate their sound because they have like tons of guitar tracks and yeah. uh, Boston also, tons of guitar stuff going on. But, yeah. you know, uh, my feeling too is that live, the audience gets to see something else. Yeah.
1: I agree with you there.
4: You know, they get to see the guys that, you know, yeah, the guys that created that music and... You know, that live thing. And even if they don't quite sound exactly like the record, it still is a cool thing, you know. I mean, I saw Zeppelin in 1975 and 76. I saw them. Uh, I used to live on Long Island, and um, they sounded great. I mean, you know, when you listen to them play Black Dog, you know, the riff, Mm -hmm. I mean, Jimmy Page overdubbed that particular riff something like 20 times mm-hmm. just to get it to sound really, really thick. So live, you know, it's not going to sound the same, you know, You know, yeah. that is done with like 20 tracks of guitar and then, and then, uh, bounced, uh, all the tracks are bounced into one. You know, so it's things like that, but you know, you're seeing what's up on live and you know, who cares? You know, it's Jimmy Page yeah. and, and it's the band, and you
1: know. Yeah, it is. And I I enjoy the fact that you know live album, you know live albums, live concert performance don't sound the same as a studio album. You know, I, I kind of enjoy, you know. I mean, there are some notable exceptions yeah. where bands just cannot play the songs well, or you know they're yeah. playing to to tapes of yeah. the songs. But I, I do enjoy that. It's, it's funny you mentioned the black Black Dog though, because I remember as a kid, you know, having like the the little 15 watt fender frontline amp with zero effects and you know some cheap guitar trying to play black dog and, and wondering why i can't get it to sound anything like the record but you know back in there we didn't know yeah, right. all the magic that went into it you know i thought oh you know if i could just spend, you know spend a hundred right. bucks and get the boss distortion pedal i'd sound that good and then you get the pedal you don't sound that good you know it's in you know it's it's yeah yeah <laughs> It's, uh, I, I
4: see you play guitar. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody. Well, I it's, own guitars. So let's, yeah, let's put it that way. I'm an owner. But um, yeah, it, it's cool. And, and the record, you well, guys,
2: not, you know, it's
1: all, it, it sounds yeah, it's all, f- phenomenal. Were these songs all, you know, more recent songs or some of these, you know, tidbits of, you know, old FOSTEC tapes you've had over the years that you've just kind of rediscovered? Or how do you, you approach the newest material?
4: Well, this song, um, this album is actually all new material. There, there's, uh, there's nothing on that album that is over three or four years old. Okay. So it's all it's all new. Um, some of our other albums, you know, sometimes you know, we'll dig up an old riff from like, you know, like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and and find a home for it. This, uh, this album was a, a departure. Because, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing was going on right. and there was a, a very, you know, pessimistic, uh, vibe going on because of the lockdown and, 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 uh, um, we, we were kind of reflecting that in the music. Um, a lot of people that have heard the album you know, have, have said that there's definitely a more of a, um, I don't want to say doomy kind of vibe to it, but, more of uh, I don't know, more a little bit more, more of yeah, maybe more of that, you know.
1: Well, I mean, if you on this album, you think about you know, maybe, what we all lived yeah. through in the last two and a half years, it, you know, it, it certainly creeps into I think every aspect of life, you know. I mean, because really everything yeah, that we absolutely. knew, you know, is a day-to-day life changed, you know, and, and probably your your industry more than so than than most. You know you couldn't go out and
4: and do yeah. it as
1: you've done for 40 years um you know so
4: yeah kind of, we, kind had, of we had kind of natural some shows, that we, right you know we were gonna we had a concert uh plan it was we were going to play a festival in barcelona spain and that got canceled and a lot of other you know concerts got canceled and uh, it kind of was a bit of a setback for for us, because we were actually making a lot of headway with uh, the last album, "Stand Your Ground." It was it was very well received, and uh, there was really a lot of people that wanted to see us perform the material you know mm-hmm. on that album live. And then uh, the COVID thing hit, and you know everybody was basically afraid uh, to put on a concert or even to play a concert because of all the uh, of, you know the the, the possible negative outcomes, you know, like, you, you know, you don't want to even put on a concert and think that, okay, some of the people, you know, some of your, your, um, your fans are going to get sick, you know, going mm-hmm. to see you play, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. So it was a very difficult time, but we like hungered down and we decided that we were going to do this album no matter what. And that's what we did, you know. And there was a little bit of, you know, trepidation. You know, it's like, you know, because you know we were reading all the stuff, you know, how easily, you know, transmissible it was, and sure, and you know, and you know, when you're in a confines of a small recording studio, you know, you're like, you know, breathing everybody's germs and yeah, you know, almost like sweating on each other, you know, and so on and so forth, but. um Anyway, we we just went ahead and we did it, and uh, because uh, rock and roll has to has to continue, no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's 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 great that you're able to do it, but you're right. I mean, when you think about, you know, even from a business standpoint, to put on a concert, you know, let alone worrying about your fans and your your bandmates' health, just the financial risk of saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put this show in this venue, we're gonna put these tickets on sale. And then you know one of you gets sick, you know, yeah. and you're not able to do the exactly. gig. Then you've got to worry about all the hassle and the cost of you know, that doesn't all magically get paid for yeah. just because you can't make it. Um, you know, and I was just talking to another musician yeah. a little while ago. Just even the, f- the fuel costs of trying to tour right now are insane. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. a, it's a tough time. Yeah, all
4: that you got to factor all that in. Yeah, so hopefully we're gonna um we're gonna get to a better place uh yeah. i am very optimistic you know also because it it can't get any worse than twenty <laughs> <All> twenty <right>, let's <laughs> so.
1: knock on wood on that one john we'll, uh we'll hope that uh yeah that, that 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 is the case um are you do you have kind of tour dates in in mind for twenty twenty two or is this um do you want to kind of get the album out and then see huh?
4: I think uh, you you hit the nail on the head. Really, that's where, exactly what we want to do. The album is going to create its own uh, pathway for us. Sure. Um, if it does really well, then um, you know we'll be looking at a different type of tour. You know, and maybe we'll um, uh, you know be on the bill with a bigger band that that we can play in front of larger audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, the other possibility is we can do in America and play, you know, some some things like colleges and some, uh, you know, smaller theaters mm-hmm. and so on. And then uh, there's also, you know, playing festivals in Europe, which uh, our new manager, Giles Lavery, uh, he represents a lot of really great bands and he's really hooked up into that whole um, Euro, you know, metal festival scene, which is which is a really cool thing, you know, that the fans in Europe Really love going to festivals, you know, where there will be like, you know, like 15 different bands, you know, over a couple of days. And, and, um, so, you know, we would love that too. And also minimizes too, you know, the outdoor festival minimizes, you know, people, you know, catching anything, you know, it's, you're outdoors. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot better. And, you know, you're in the sunlight, which is always a good thing. Um, we did actually play a couple of festivals, even during COVID. Uh, We played one in um, 2021. It was uh, the bass player in our band, Ned Baloney, his father-in-law passed away and his father-in-law was uh, Paul Chapman. Mm -hmm. He played him back then. And that that was Ned's father-in-law. So we did a, a a benefit concert a tribute benefit concert that net organized um you know for for paul's family and and was a lot of musicians from uh the florida area you know that were like in on it you know that, that were guests sure. guest um musicians on stage so on and uh, so you know at first we were a little bit worried you know like we're hosting this big concert but then we figured you know it's going to be outdoors uh the people that you know want to wear masks and 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 so on will do so, and uh, and the people that are most concerned, you know, about they're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna have, uh, you know, be socially distant, you know, right. from other people, and and it worked out great. There was about maybe six, seven hundred people, and not one person got sick, you know. But so that was a that was a good thing and you know and we honored uh Paul's memory Paul Chapman and uh and it was a good uh you know closure for the family and and uh it was a good tribute. So we we've done that. We've also done some shows at uh Space Coast Harley Davidson uh, cuz uh it's even though it, it's a very large motorcycle dealership, they're also a rock fan a lot of great, um, great shows. You know, they've had uh, Quiet Riot and all kinds of bands have played there. Sure. And uh, we've we've done some shows uh, there. And uh, so yeah, so we did play, we did play during the COVID, but we made sure that they were outdoor shows. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly because uh, we just felt really that that was safest way to safer. do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I listened to the album, I I thought to myself, you know, this is almost exactly what you think of when you think of like the, you know, those kind of classic European metal outdoor festivals, you know, the kind of music I think that would get eaten alive there. The People would love it. Um, You know, obviously, the United States is is kind of a tough market, um, you know, Uh for a lot of metal bands. You know, we talked to a lot of bands from Europe that, you know, it just doesn't financially make sense to come here because... Um, you know the the draw and the cost and, and things like that. When you can go to, you know Germany or you know the Scandinavian countries and and fans eat this stuff up. So it's it certainly I'm sure got to play a factor. Yeah. But um the the album yeah um, absolutely. the album will be out uh, July is it 15th?
4: It's the 15th. Yeah. Okay. The album is coming out. Um, also. The new video comes out on July 1st, this Friday, on YouTube. Okay. So uh, I would really love if everybody listening would, would check it out. You know, go on YouTube, uh, type in uh, Demons Behind Me. That's the name of the song by Burning Star. And check it out. It's different than the first video. The first video is out now, Souls of the Innocent. Mm-hmm. And that's more of a very... Um, performance oriented hyper realism kind of video there's no effects special lighting there's no girls in bikinis there's <laughs> no monsters There's it's just it's just the band uh, and, and it, it, it's kind of stark in it's uh, simplicity and it's doing really well um, the next video has conceptual footage uh because of the kind of the subject matter of demons behind me um the the demons you know we're talking about aren't like you know ghouls and goblins and monsters uh the demons we're talking about are like the demons of alcoholism sex addiction drug usage gambling you know everyday demons that that hurt people you know when they get
1: a lot more than a lot more than the science fiction demons yeah
4: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
1: and
4: and and, And, uh so so the video kind of uh kind of uh encapsulizes that and uh it's a very cool video and uh i think i think everybody's gonna like it a lot and because it tells a story it tells a story and uh Kind of like a cautionary tale, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, because everybody, you know, heavy metal gets a bad rap, let's say.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's certainly one of the more mis- misunderstood genres. Metal
4: musician. Yes, absolutely. You know, people think, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of idiots, you know, that worship Satan. <laughs> you know, It's just total, you know, so far from the truth, you know? Exactly. Uh and, and, uh, and we make a consci- conscious, conscious for you know, to dispel that. Hey, you know, we play heavy metal, but it doesn't, you know, make us idiots. It doesn't make us immoral. It doesn't make us anything. It's just a genre of music, you know, like blues or like, uh, folk music. And, and the weird thing about metal, too, is that it encompasses so many genres, you know, I mean, I mean, I you know grew up playing blues, and I listened to all kinds of stuff um, Zeppelin you know they incorporated you know the music of Joni Mitchell mm-hmm. in their music you know and and Celtic music and everything else so so we really hope that you know pe- that people will have an open mind and and not even necessarily people that are just metalheads. we We just want people that like rock. Or that like contemporary music or guitar playing or good mm-hmm. drumming. I mean, we have a great drummer. Uh, our drummer, Rhino is really one of the top drummers out there. He played in the uh, iconic 80s band, Man of War. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he can he can play. He's He can really hit the drums well. Uh, our bass player, uh, Ned Maloney, uh, played with um, Steve Whitman, who was the singer from Kicks. yeah. And uh, he was in a he was in a band with Steve for a couple of years, or maybe longer. I don't know. Maybe like three years or something. He also played with uh, Joe Turner, who was the singer for Rainbow. And so everybody's been around the block, uh, and um, and it's just great, you know, to play with uh, you know a band where everybody can really hold their own. There are really no weak links in the band.
1: No, not at all. And the the the, fan, the the album sounds fantastic. And I think when you listen to it, it it's it's approachable metal. You know, we, you know, we, you mentioned about genres of metal. This is certainly one where you're not gonna scare away the neighbors. You know, it certainly rocks. It's you know, you yeah, know, right, yeah, right. You know, but it's not like uh, you know, South of Heaven. You know, kind of. Flavor of metal. It's it's uh yeah. it's certainly more approachable without being glam, you know, which is
4: you know obviously right exactly the other so, end of the spectrum. So there are a couple of there are a couple of surprisingly heavy songs on the album. Since you mentioned South of Heaven by Slayer, um, we have one called The Road to Hell, and another one called Drowning in a Sea of Blood, which is a lovely. Movie. Romantic ballad. Oh, just kidding. Um, so there, there are some, there are some really heavy ones on the album. In fact, it's almost, uh, almost uncharacteristically heavy. There's about like, there's about four or five songs that would, I don't know it's going to sound crazy, but I think they would almost, they would appeal to Slayer fans, right, or uh, Metallica fans, or you yeah, my,
1: yeah, I mean, even though that's. Yeah you might be heavier than Metallica at this point if you're comparing today's Metallica, but that's a whole different
4: conversation there. That's a whole, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. But, you know, I mean, I, I happen to really love, uh, you know, the old Metallica. Yeah. yeah. And and, and, I, and I mean, I appreciate actually all their music. I'm one of the few people that I know that really love the Black album. Uh, most Metallica fans, a lot, a lot of them turned away from that album. But I thought it was a really great album, you know, and, and um speaking of Metallica, I'll just give you a quick story. Sure. We played a festival in Europe in nineteen eighty four and uh, some of the guys in Metallica, uh Cliff Burton, who was alive back then, and um and uh, the guitar player uh Kurt Hammett. Not, not uh was Kirk his... Hammett, that's yeah. it. They came back, they came, they came to our tent because all the bands had like these little tents. It was a big festival and all the bands had like little tents, you know. So we had our own little tent and, uh, and they stopped by and we were talking to them and they were really nice guys. And, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Kirk that said he really liked a song, uh, from the first Virgin Steel album, Children of the Storm. Mm -hmm. So that made me feel really, really good because you know I, I didn't expect them to like it because they, at the time they were really much heavier than we were they were sure. more just really uh, heavy uh, I don't know how you call it uh, I don't know like death metal or, or uh, early thrash or, yeah thrash that was the, that's the word I'm looking for yeah and we were more into kind of embracing the bands like you know Deep Purple and Zeppelin and mm-hmm. Rainbow and You know that style. So I was actually really surprised that that they mentioned that song and they liked it. And but but then when they came out, you know, with some of the albums afterwards, like uh, like uh, the one with all the tombstones, uh, Master of Puppets. um, Yeah, Master of Puppets. When they came out with that, I saw this incredible change in the band. You know, where they were getting really more you know like a Zeppelin you know they were coming into their own and then and then and then the Black Album I thought was was brilliant you know songs like uh, uh, Unforgiven and uh, uh, I don't know all the songs basically on the Black Album I really liked so then it made sense you know when they when they told uh, me that they had liked the song it it started to make total sense because even though they were doing this really really heavy thrash music when they came out they were also listening and being influenced by other yeah. stuff
1: yeah, and those can... other
4: influences surface you know they surface but a little bit later on Yeah,
2: they're... and uh,
4: so, so you know so I think it's cool and you know, if any of the guys in Metallica are listening, by some miracle, um, do do one of our songs on your next Garage Days album. Yeah. Maybe do, you know, do Children of the Storm. You guys said you liked it back then. I would love that. Because yeah. I know that... I know they would do a killer version of it, you know. There, there's something about their passion and their heaviness that comes across even in some of the albums you know that some of the fans kind of didn't like but that passion and that aggressiveness and it it's always going to be there because it's like they walk it like they talk it you know it's mm-hmm. it's you know James Hetfield and and the boys they you know they 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 embrace that they kind of personify that you know mm-hmm. and that's what we like bringing it back to you know to Burning Star that's what we've got to do as well you know I think uh, yeah absolutely Jack
1: I want to thank you the Souls of Innocent album will be out on July 15th I want to thank you so much hopefully we'll see you in the States on the road before too long and and wish all the success in the world with the album again that would be fantastic and
4: uh, thank you and I just want to wish all our and and to check out what we're doing and and to keep listening to you brother because uh I think you're playing the good stuff out there.
1: All right, a thank you to Burning Star's Jack Star. Again, the album will be out on July 15th. You can check that out on their website. Souls of the Innocent is the name of the record. also want to thank John Doe of X and also Adrian Ballou, um, both of which will be in the city of Pittsburgh in July. So check that out. You can visit ironcityrocks.com for links for tickets, information about the show, chances to win tickets to different shows we invite you to check out our social media we are forward slash Iron City Rocks on any of the major social media media platforms so we invite you to check that out you can drop us an email ironcityrocks at gmail.com love hearing from you, what do you think of the show what do you like to hear um, we've got some great guests coming up in the next couple episodes have already uh, been recorded so we'll be getting those uh, to you in short order And uh, thank you for supporting music here in Pittsburgh.